Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Welcome back, dear one. Thanks again for joining us uh, this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russell, and I'm the host, and I'm recovering from COVID, thankfully. And uh, Frank, how are you today? Hopefully without COVID. Yes, without COVID and hoping not to get COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Glad you're better. It's not fun. It certainly isn't. Well, Frank, as you know, the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about what we call pivotal words in Scripture. And we've done things like, but God, uh, we've talked about grace. We had a great time talking about the word let. And the last few episodes, we talked about the beautiful word of obedience. But Frank, all those were, I see them as kind of words of instruction, words that help us to understand or clarify our relationship with our Father. But today, to use a word that's so near and dear to your heart, we're going to go from teaching into meddling. <laughs> we're going to kick some anthills. And the word I want to talk about today is one that still helps us understand our relationship with our Father. But this one, I'll give a warning, is likely to kick some sacred cows as well. And Frank, the word is worship. Mm. And I know if you go into 25 different denominations on Sunday morning, you will see 25 different expressions of what's called worship. Mm. Everything from no music and scripted notes to every word scripted to the other end of the spectrum where anything goes. There's almost yeah. no structure whatsoever. So Frank, I want to ask you to just begin by referencing your 30 some years as being a pastor, having lots of experience with quote unquote worship. Talk to us about your perspective on worship in the church and people's attitudes. And I know that's a loaded question. So take all the time you want. <laughs> well, I don't want to do that. We won't have any time left. Yeah, this is a huge issue. A lot of churches split over this stuff. We want the drum. We don't want the drum. I remember, John, you'll remember this. When we oh, yeah. first introduced a drum at Grace Life years ago, we were confronted by some people that thought we were bringing a demon beat into the church, uh, that the missionaries in Africa said the tribes were using that drum beat to conjure up demons. And so it's a, a lot of people. Of course, we got to give our answer for that real quick, John. Leave our listeners hanging. Oh, yeah, you hanging. can't leave them hanging. <laughs> well, we just simply reported back to them that meat offered to idols in the book of Corinthians was definitely offered to demons. But because we are in Christ, we can take that same meat offered to a demon, thank God for it, and have a buffet. So we can take drums, doesn't matter if they were used for demonic consultation or anything like that. We can take whatever in this world with thanksgiving and use it to the glory of God. And of course, churches now throughout the country are using drums. I wish we'd go back to the pipe organ. <laughs> Worship. 
John, we have bit off a big topic. I don't know how much time you're going to give for this. I think there's a lot of confusion over this issue. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ today think that worship is singing praise songs, and that's called worship. Now, I believe that's included because the heart of worship is to exalt God, who he is, all that he has done, all that he's promised to do, all that he's doing. So certainly singing praise songs would qualify because we're heralding how great God is. And we should be about that as Christians. You know, John, I think of the book of Ephesians in chapter one, verses three through 14, referred to by many people as the treasure chest of the New Testament, where Paul records some of the many blessings we have in Christ. But every couple of verses, he will say, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And then he'll add some more blessings to the praise of the glory of his grace. We should be the supreme people to praise God in the community of grace because we've come to understand the love, grace, mercy, and goodness of God like so many other people have not. So we should lead the way in praise. But Praising, singing songs is not really what the heart of worship really is. I believe the heart of worship is bigger than that. It's a lifestyle. You say, well, Frank, how do you prove that? Well, in John 4, Jesus said, there's coming a new covenant. And when that new covenant comes, we will worship. But we will worship in spirit and truth. And that instantly makes me think of Ezekiel 36, where our old stony, wicked, deceptive heart will be taken away, will be given new hearts and a new spirit. And the Holy Spirit will live inside of us in union with us to express his life through our lives. And that gives us the clue that worship is not an event. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. And I think it's fascinating that the word he used in John 4 was lutrao, which means to serve. And so we serve God and that's worship. But then comes in that parable that Jesus told when even we give a cup of water to someone, we're doing it to him. So we serve people And that's called worship. John, I'll bring this to a synopsis and let you take it where we're going next. Worship is a lifestyle that springs from an understanding of who God is, what he's done, what he's doing. And it that creates a mindset within us, a prevailing disposition that our very lives are to be an act of worship perpetually. So that's kind of what I would say to start this off. Well, you said the magic word, Frank, and that is mindset. Uh, I found that uh, perception in all the places I looked in preparation for this, but being the kind of detailed geek that I can be at times, when I come across something like worship, Frank, I want to go back and uh, use scripture 
as a dictionary. You know, how does scripture define worship? I know all these churches define it differently, but how does scripture define it? So I went back and the first time we see the word, the English word worship is in Genesis 22. When Abraham says to his servants, uh, you guys wait here with the donkey and the boy and I, Isaac and I will go up yonder and we will worship and we will come down together. So that's the first time the word worship appears. But that Hebrew word for worship, I think it's pronounced shaha. I'm not certain, but that's close. That's not the first time that Hebrew word appears. We see that more than 100 times in the Old Testament. And there we see it in Genesis 18, just a few chapters earlier, where Abraham's sitting in his tent, the Lord appears to announce that in a year, he and Sarah are going to have a son. And then Abraham worshiped. And literally the translation is, he bowed himself to the earth. It means, Frank, literally to bow down, to prostrate yourself in front of someone obviously superior. So, Frank, when I say bow down, prostrate yourself, let your forehead touch the ground. What kind of mindset does that bring to your mind, Frank? Hmm. Well, John, listening to that, I think of the Lord Jesus when he was prepared to go to the cross. And I love the honesty. He says, Father, is there any other way to do this? I mean, this just doesn't sound good at all. But then he added those incredible words. Not my will, but thine be done. John, from the human standpoint, of course, Jesus was God, so he doesn't worship the Father. He, they love each other, but they don't worship each other. I, I guess they could, because worship is simply attributing the highest and best to the ultimate being. So I guess they could do that to each other. But I think as the human Jesus, it recognized his place of dependency, his place to exalt uh, the creator of man and the rightful sovereign over man. And he was living as a man. So not my will, but thine be done. This is not about me, Lord. It's about you and all that you are and all that you're doing. John, we gave a long thought about worship, but if I was going to put it in a nutshell, worship would be the only proper response to the revelation of who God is. It's like your eyes have been opened and you refute the lie of the garden. I just find out in worship, I'm not God, but there is a God. And because there is, he's going to have the supreme place in my life. Yeah, indeed. Frank, you brought up that word mindset again. And when you talk about the attitude of the man, Jesus, as he walked on the earth, these are some of the other synonyms that pop into my mind when I think about his lifestyle. Allegiance. Devotion deference, loyalty, faithfulness, adoration. So these things, Frank, we're not talking here about music or singing or instruments. At this point, we're not even talking service, doing things. We're talking the most basic approach we have between ourselves and our Father. That is not my will 
but yours be done. Boy, those words of Jesus just keep coming back into so many of our conversations, don't they? I step aside, sir. I want to do something else. The flesh wants me to do something else. But sir, I choose to step aside and I choose to follow you and your will be done. And I'm right with you. So that's a really a different perspective because we can walk into a church, Frank, and play our hearts out if we're an instrument player or sing our hearts out and not have this attitude. So is it really worship or is it just singing and playing? (laughs) It really gets down to not what you do, Frank, but why you do what you do. Mindset is so much a key. Mm, Yeah, motive. What's the real purpose behind what you're doing? As soon as you said that, John, you remember back in Isaiah, God said, stop bringing your sacrifices to me. Now, that was the right thing to do. God himself had instituted the sacrifices. So they were, quote unquote, being obedient. And yet he, the one who instituted the sacrifices, says, stop bringing the sacrifices. And you say, why? Because he added these words, your heart is far from me. And so at that point, because this is all about relationship, what you were doing isn't so important to God's heart as why. And that's a huge deal. Yeah. And uh, when you look at it that way, uh, you could be doing anything, Frank, absolutely anything to the glory of God. As Colossians 3 says, you can be doing anything to the glory of God, and it could be worship. It all gets down to, my mind runs back, my friend, to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes, hey guys, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So there's that word let again. We talked about that a few episodes ago, and how we have to willingly choose to allow the mindset, this mindset, to be prevalent and rule in our minds. Now, it's interesting, as I look at this verse, Frank, you can rattle off the evidence of Jesus uh, having this mindset. He made himself of no reputation. He became a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient, even unto death. All those are written out there in that verse. But as I look at those, I see another, an unspoken aspect of that mindset. And that is trust. He didn't truly know what was going to happen at many times, but he trusted his father Mm. uh, when he took his steps, not knowing where his next steps might take him, but he trusted him. So even more fundamental than the mindset, Frank, is a trust-filled relationship with your father that's foundational for mm-hmm. worship. Yes, it really is, John. You know, it's interesting when you went to Philippians 2, I had that in my brain. And I would like to go to the first four verses. Before he says, let this mind be in you, he talks about what it means to be a believer. He says, if, verse 1, there's any wisdom in Christ, and if there's any comfort of love, and if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, and if there are any tender mercies and compassions. And the idea of that word is if, and there is, and since there is, then verse 2, fulfill my joy then, and be like-minded with each other, have the same love, be of one accord, one mind, 
Let nothing be done through strife or selfishness, but in lowliness of attitude, mind, let each esteem the other more important than yourselves. And don't look on your own interests only, but on the things of others. That's a, a quite a to-do list. But then comes in verse five. Let this mindset be in you. Christ, who humbled himself, did not have to cling to who he was, trusted his father, became a servant, and God exalted him. And so John, he's basically telling us how to do all those things, and how to live a life of worship. And that's uh, really to have the same attitude that Jesus did. And really, it's fascinating. I just had this thought in my brain. John the Baptist said, when his disciples were coming to him and they said, hey, Jesus is getting more followers than you. And there was this potential for competition and all that sort of thing, which goes on a lot in church. <laughs> and he said, I'm not worried to lose his sandals. He must increase. I must decrease. And you know, John, I just had this thought, but for Jesus as man, walking before his father. Philippians 2 is really saying the same thing. He's saying, I must decrease, that my father would increase, and that others would increase in my eyes as people to serve. And that is true worship. Wow. So uh, it's interesting. I've never thought about Jesus having the same mindset that John the Baptist did, but in a very real way, he did. Yeah, indeed he did. Frank, I've got one last thought I want to throw out here, and it ties in back with Abraham. You know, we launched our discussion on worship with Abraham back in Genesis 18 and Genesis 22. But, you know, eventually he and Sarah, after 25 years of Rocky Road, they eventually reached a point where they trusted and believed God. They got the promise. They got Isaac. And when I look at this, I finally see that Abraham reached a point where his trust became obedience and he walked in step with his father. And so I think about that. And then I think of Hebrews chapter five. Referencing Jesus, he was a son. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. And so you can look at Abraham and Sarah's life. They certainly learned obedience and trusting by what they suffered. Our Messiah did too. So one last question, Frank, and I'll let you wrap it up with this. Where does suffering fit in with obedience? And then how does that lead to worship? Okay, it's all yours, brother. John, it's interesting because I had this conversation with a pretty famous theologue the other day, <laughs> and we talked about the issue of faith being born out of need. At no time in our lives do we trust God more than when we're in need. And we talked about this whole idea in our culture. It's, we don't have a lot of need in a culture that's prosperous. We're hungry. We go to a cupboard, we go to a refrigerator. Uh, there are a lot of places around the world where there is no cupboard, there is no refrigerator, and they're wondering if they're going to be able to eat that day. And so their faith that God would meet their need 
is most likely greater than most of us here in America, at least simply more definable and more perceived by those people than by us. So faith is born out of need. And when adversity comes into our lives, it's a refutation of the lie in the garden that we shall be as God. And we realize that we're on batteries sometimes and our batteries aren't up to the demand that we're facing. And we need the battery of God. We need his strength because our strength is insufficient in that circumstance. We need his comfort because our soul is in turmoil. And this is really what Paul wrote about throughout many of his epistles in the New Testament. I think of 2 Corinthians 12, that thorn in the flesh, and he cried out, God, take it away. And then God revealed to him, so, oh, no, son, you need this. Because when you are weak, you'll be strong because you'll trust in me and I'll be your strength instead of you relying on your strength. You know, C.S. Lewis, John, called pain God's megaphone. And I used to quote that. I don't quote it anymore. Uh, not that I would ever want to get in a debate with C.S. Lewis. I would lose probably. But on this one issue, it's always speaking. We know that from John 10. The issue is, are we hearing? So I would prefer to say now, struggles that we encounter in life are our hearing aid. They help us listen better to the voice that's always speaking to us and drawing us to himself. Well said, my friend. Not always what we want to hear when we think about worship, but we do know that worship means obedience and trust and uh, submitting yourself to the will of someone who knows better. So thank you for that. Well, friends, you've been listening to Frank and John on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Uh, we invite you to uh, check out our website, OurResoluteHope.com. You'll find lots of articles and devotionals and eBooks and stuff there that we trust will lead you further on your walk with learning about the incredible truth of Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, and your very life. We also invite you to uh, sign up for our newsletter. We send out a few thousand of those a month. Follow us on our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram. We've got an up-and-coming YouTube channel as well. And always we close with the same reminder from the epistle to the Hebrews that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Paul calls it a blessed hope. Frank and John call it a resolute hope. So today and always choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today and you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life, he wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.